The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back, boys and girls, to Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, the big man himself, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, university bitch face again, Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. What's wrong with you over there? You look all Nothing. fucking, you look like a pissed off bullfrog or something going on. Like you're going to like jump on my lily pad and kick my ass. What the hell do you? Huh? Frogger. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm fine. I was just working on my other one that I haven't finished yet. But fantastic. I, now I put it off to the side. Notice that? I did. I'm okay, kind of well, proud of you. Let me put on my other glasses so I won't be tempted to look at my computer while you're talking. <laughs> oh, wait. That got so bright. Yeah, because that is for streets. So today I'm going to be doing Richard Speck, and I gave him the AKA the Queen B of the cell block, but we'll get to the reason why here in a bit. He ain't Beyonce, bitch. <laughs> oh, he is, man. He's talking about his WAP. But that was Cardi B, right? Yes. Yeah, because you'll see why. So I'm going to read what I wrote as my intro and then go into it. Anyway, Sammy and I present killer after killer. We often ask each other the question, nature or nurture? I have a feeling by the, by the end of this bizarre story, you will all see the root cause of how Speck became the person that he is. Or at this point was because he's dead now. There's so much that has been written about Richard Speck, but most of it has, uh, that I've read has really focused on the murder of the eight nursing students. Right. <clears throat> Speck actually has a long history of being abused as a child, as well as, a criminal, as well as criminal activity as an adult that very few people seem to want to mention. So here it is. Let's dive into the life of Richard Speck. I almost want to give you a drum roll, but I don't have that much energy. Yeah, me neither. That was a damn good dinner. <laughs> On December 6th of 1941, the Speck family welcomed their baby boy Richard into the world. Shortly after Richard was born, they moved about six miles east uh, of their home in Kirkwood, Illinois, to the town of Monmouth, Illinois. Richard was the seventh child out of a total of eight kids. Born to his parents, Mary and Benjamin Speck. And I, you know, eight kids, Mary, do you know how that stuff happens? Pretty sure you should know how that happens. I want to close them legs, sweetheart. Yeah, man. Eight fucking kids, Christ. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to take a second to message my brother back and then I'll yeah, do your back. thing, man. No, I just wanted to let you know what I was doing. So Benjamin, Richard's dad, was a hardworking man who worked as a logger and then a farmer and eventually as a packer for Western Stoneware. Richard, Richard's mother, Mary, was a very devout Christian woman who was known as being a very proper kind of a lady. Richard adored his father, and, and they were very, very close. Okay. Well, sadly, tragedy would fall on the Speck family when Benjamin died due to a heart attack in 1947. Oh, wow. Well, Richard was only six years old, and when he lost his father, which I'm sure it hurt him pretty deeply. I'm sure it did. <laughs> Excuse me. I keep on inhaling spit. Because apparently I don't know how to breathe. Well, or tragedy. Swallow. You're fired. 
Tragedy would fall upon them again in 1952 when Richard's oldest brother, Robert, would die in a car wreck when Richard was only 23 years old. I'm sorry, when when Robert was only 23 years old. Now, was he close to his brother, too? Yeah, he was close to both of them. This is a tight-knit family at this point. Oh, okay. Okay, but it's about ready to fucking change. Well, yeah. I'm sure that this devastated the entire family, having not only Benjamin die, but Robert as well. If that wasn't enough drama, Richard's mother, Mary, met and married a traveling insurance salesman. That should say it all right there. I was going to say, traveling salesmen cannot be trusted. No shit. (laughs) No, no salesman can't, but there you go. Yeah, and if it's a traveling car salesman, oh shit. Just kidding. But she met him on a train trip. On a who? On a trip, on a train. Oh, I thought you said train tread. I'm like, why would she meet him on a tread of a train? Never mind. Maybe you should speak. Were you born retarded or did you eat lead paint chips? <laughs> Maybe you should speak English and not hillbilly. You ain't understand the words coming out my mouth. No. Ba-ding. Squeal like a piggy. <laughs> Anywho, this dude's name was Carl Lindsberg and he lived in Texas. Carl was an alcoholic with a peg leg, which I, <laughs> I know I had to laugh at that. No, I got to have a side note here and I know I shouldn't even tell you this, but when I was in high school, was you I, had a peg leg? No, when I was a freshman in high school. Shut up, bitch. I had several knee injuries, right? And they had to put me in an immobilizer brace for a long time. And so I was on crutches. And there was this one time, and there's a guy who lived in another town who only had one leg that they called peg leg. So when I had to be <laughs> in that, they said, oh, my God, you look like peg leg. So that was my nickname a lot in high school, peg leg. I'm going to start calling you Squatch the Peg Leg Squatch now. Like I said, sometimes I regret telling you things. But whatever. That's the least of my worries, considering all the other names you've called me. <laughs> so, anywho, um, Carl had a 25-year history of being arrested for things like drunk driving, uh, as well as like things like forgery. Oh. So, this, this guy's not an upstanding dude, right? Wow. Sounds almost like our um, Ray and Faye Copeland's. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, where the hell was I? Mary and Carl were married in Plano and Palo Pinto, Texas on May 10th of 1950. We just had a Plano, Texas guy. No, P-A-L-O Pinto. Oh. Palo Pinto. Oh, okay. Richard and his sister lived with their oldest sister who was married until they finished school that year and moved to Texas to live with their mother and Carl. They lived in, in Santo... Texas, which was about 40 miles west of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, About a year later, they moved just east of Dallas, Texas. Uh, And over the next 12 years, they'd move another 10 times around the Dallas area, always staying in the poor areas. Oh, wow. So, this was in the... um 70s, right? No, this would be like in the 50s. Oh, you know, the 50s. Okay. Yeah, they, they married in 1950. Oh, okay. That's, I understand now. No, because I have been so inundated with so many things this last week that, you know oh. how hard it is to keep my head on straight? Yeah, we got a lot of projects going on. So, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of shit going on right now. A lot of shit. Richard hated his stepfather, Carl, because he was almost, in, he was almost always drunk. Okay. Carl would also threaten Richard and call him names and verbally abuse him. So it's a totally different relationship than what we had with his father. 100%. Yeah, I like think night I get and day. To that. Yeah, I think I get into that a little bit later. As time went on, it was noticed that Richard was not a good student. 
He always seemed to fail his classes, or when he did manage to pass a class, it was just barely. And here's my side note. This is pretty typical of children who are, who've been, who are being abused at home. Mm-hmm. Grades suffer as well as how they view themselves. Self-esteem, they, uh, view themselves, self-esteem. Thing, uh, these things all seem to have a negative outcome when abuse happens. Right. Well, look at, um, for instance, um, Shandy from um, John Arthur Aykroyd. Oh, yeah. she always took great pride in her appearance and everything until he started sexually abusing her, and then she'd like go to school with dirty clothes, <laughs> her hair all messed up. And that's exactly what I put in here. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of abuse either—sexual, <laughs> psychological, physical abuse—all seems to have a similar outcome. Yeah. Richard also needed reading glasses to read, but he refused to wear them, which that goes into the abuse thing. You know, it's, yeah, it's almost like of, a yeah. self-deprecation if you're being called names by your by your right. stepdad and your mom's kind of condoning it. That's gonna, you know. Well, and not just that. When he wears glasses, he'll probably be called four eyes in school, and kids in school make fun of him. And you know, it just feeds the cycle. He also had a fear of standing in front of the class to present any kind of report or recite anything. So he had a fear of people, which that's understandable too. With given Mm -hmm. everything's progressing, he had a deep fear of people looking at him. This also resulted in him having to repeat the eighth grade in junior high. Wow. Well, by this time. Uh, oh, by the time that he, uh, by the time that he was 13 years old, he would he'd be arrested for his for the first time, and this was in 1955. Wow! The charges were trespassing. It'd be followed by several more arrests over the next eight years. So at a young age, he's already starting down a criminal path. Right. But he also, he also, this sounds to me like though he's at, he's screaming for help. Oh, totally, and we would know that now. But we're talking yeah. the fifties where they're like, he's yeah, that's just true. acting out. He's just a bad kid. Oh yeah, I was a problem child, but whatever. <clears throat> he also started drinking daily when he was only twelve years old. Better kind that. of yeah, m- mimicking mm-hmm. stepdad because hey, if you can't beat him, join him. See, and mine was to just fucking get through the day, you know, because it was easier for me to do it drunk than to think about what I was doing. What was going on with me. That makes sense. So. In 1957, Richard started his ninth grade year at, I'm going to fuck this up, Crozier Technical School. Oh, okay. He failed every subject, and he didn't return to school the following semester. Oh, okay. He went on to get a job at the Seven Up Bottling Company uh, plant in Dallas <clears throat> as a laborer when he was 16 years old. He stayed there for about three years. Did they play Heads Up 7-Up there? Probably. <laughs> hide the Bottle? Only you and I, only people our age would get that joke. He played Hide the Bottle. Hide the Bottle. Given... No, that's called Hide the Salami, Scott. <laughs> he played that in prison. Spin the bottle. He also met 15-year-old Shirley Malone at the Texas State Fair. Yeehaw! We're going to Do the fair. Do you think fair. they had fried butter back then, too? <laughs> Probably. Everything's deep fried, In man. Texas, especially. Good shit. After they had been dating for three weeks, she got pregnant with Richard's baby. On January 19th of 1962, they got married and Shirley moved in with Richard. And they all lived with Richard's mom, sister, and, of course, stepdaddy. Because that's not a recipe for disaster at all, right? That's just That's That's just just like a close-knit type 
interwoven yeah. family. Let's have this fucking verbally abusive alcoholic asshole. Around my new kid. Around my new kid and my new wife. Yeah, no. This is awesome. Good thinking there, Richard. Yeah. Ask me why my son hardly knows anybody in my family. No, yeah. Richard's mom and stepdad separated, and his stepdad, Carl, moved to California, which is honestly the best thing that could have happened to anybody. Yeah. Richard's daughter was born on July 5th of 1962. So, you know, they had a 4th of July celebration, some fireworks. They had some fireworks, and then she had some screaming. Then she had some screaming. They're like, are you on fire? No, I'm having a baby. Crotch is on fire. I was going to say, you'd feel like it. <laughs> you feel like you're written, getting ripped apart. Her name, by the way, is Robin Lynn Speck. Robin Lynn? That's yeah. a that's a pretty name. name. That's a pretty name. That is such a country name. I have a cousin named Robin Lynn. That's a beautiful name. I like that name. I think I'm going to change Jake's name to that. Okay. Now then. Do it. There was a big problem when Robin was born, though. Not with Robin Lynn, the bouncing baby girl. It was Richard. His wife couldn't find him anywhere. And that was because Richard was in jail serving 22 days for fighting when he was drunk in McKinney, Texas. On the 4th. Yeah. In my head, I can see Richard Speck's face on a milk carton. Have you seen my daddy? (laughs) I didn't even think about that, but that's funny. Thank you. Thank you. I actually wrote that joke. This is one of my off the top of my head ones. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen it? <laughs> he looks like this. Shut <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> In July of 1963, Richard got busted for forging and cashing a co-worker's check for a whopping $44. Woohoo! Damn, living it He's living it up there Ooh. in Texas. No shit. I thought everything was bigger in Texas. Well, get this. After he forged a check, then he robbed the store, took $3 in cash, and a pack of cigarettes and some beer. Okay, so he writes a forged check at that location, then steals from them, too. You got it. Like, you forges know, this dude's paycheck. That is like a one-stop convenience store. Yeah, it's just, it's, I shook my head when I was reading that. Yeah. He, of course, he got caught, and he was sent to prison for three years for forgery and burglary. Duh. That's kind of a given. They sent Walker after him, Texas Ranger. Walker. But he wasn't walkering away from this one. Yeah, it's raining. I was going to say, is it raining? <coughs> Some bitch. Well, he paroled early, having served only 18 months at the Texas State Prison in Huntsville, Texas. Huntsville. Ah, Richard is a free man. Fly away and free little bee, right? No. A week after he was released from prison, he tried to attack a woman with a huge carving knife. A week after? Yeah. Okay. He's out for like a week, right? Well, you know. So the woman screamed. I assume that she screamed something like, help, I'm not a turkey. (laughs) Could be wrong. Or something like that. She could have said, I'm not a side of beef. Could have been. Where's the beef? Between Wendy's buns. Everybody knows that. You okay? No. All right. That was gross. So anyway, Richard, he ran away from her, and the cops caught him a few blocks away. Because apparently when you smoke too much and drink too much, you're going to make it two blocks. Oh, fuck, I got to give up. Just arrest me. This is bullshit. I ain't running no more. At least he made it two blocks. You wouldn't even make it to your truck. I could probably make it to my truck. I don't think I can make it around the block running. (laughs) 
I might make it to the end of my driveway and be like, fuck it. Just take me to jail. Just come get me. Yeah. <laughs> Pick me up right here. I tried to jog once, this, uh, you know, and I, I got all ready. And uh, I had a friend, this was a couple of years back, who used to jog all the time. And he's like, okay, we're just going to do a couple of miles. I've done a couple of miles before. Not a big deal. Well, I'm so out of shape. I made it to the end of the driveway. He's like, come on, you're breaking a sweater. Dude, I'm going to call an Uber. <laughs> to take me back to my door. You keep jogging. Come on. You can at least make it. I'll tell you what. You run. When you get back, I'm going to be sitting on my couch drinking a cold beer. <laughs> you know, because you're a fucking psycho. Because he runs like fucking five miles a day. Oh. Yeah, fucking Brandon. I always nuts. say every time I see somebody running down the road, I go, "Oh, bless their little heart." <laughs> I, I just tell you Brandon go. he's fucking retarded. So anyway, where the hell was I? Guess you can guess where, where he went. Yep, he won a free trip right back to prison in Huntsville, Texas, for aggressive assault and, of course, violation of his parole. Of course, the back in here, fucked hard. He was given 16 months to run consecutively with his parole violation. Due to an error, however, he only did six months, and they let him back out. They forget to put the one in front of the six? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They're like one, six, 16, six. It's all the same. Somebody will catch the mistake. You know, we can't count here in Texas. And then they said, run free, little scamp, and fly free like the queen bee Get out of here, you little scamp. That's right. And he he just flew free like, I'm the queen bee, and flew off. Is that what he did? Did he flitter? He did. He was farting fairy dust and glitter. It was great. So, Richard's out of prison, and he lands a job as a delivery driver for Patterson Meat Company. We've got the meats. No, that's Arby's. Oh, yeah. And that's me in my pants. He was there for about three whole months. And in that time, he had several accidents with his truck. But the straw that broke the inmate's back came when he just didn't show up for work. So that's when they fired him. I was going to say that's usually grounds for termination. Usually. "Um, You're not even going to show up and you're wrecking the truck. Fuck out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, you know, I point that out to Jake. Why don't you hold a job for more than 30 seconds? But there we go. Nothing. By, by this time, follow he, through. So by this time, he was separated from his wife as well. Honestly, can you blame his wife for say, saying the was words? Was he ever with her? That's what I'm starting to think with all the time. Like, except for that when they first, she first got pregnant, like that one time. Yeah, no kidding. That at one time camp. at band camp. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote. However, can you blame his wife for saying the words? I'm out, dude. <laughs> Adios, bitch nachos. Adios, bitch nachos. I'm gone. So after ta- uh, talking to his mother, Richard moved in with his with an older woman who was a bartender at his favorite bar, Ginny's Lounge. Not Jenny, Ginny. G-I-N-N-Y? You got it. Ginny's Lounge. Jenny. Well, you're going to love this part. She was also a former wrestler, which I think is kind of hot. Was she a Lucho Libre? I wish. Oh, my God. If she wore a mask and would throw me around. Mm, it's hot. Now I know what I need to do. What, terrify me? No. Yes. I do not. You know what? That's why you're going to get your ass Every kicked out. You know what? What time is it right now? Give me 30 minutes. I'll meet you out in the parking lot. <laughs> bitch. I will, I will cut a bitch. <laughs> well, this former wrestler slash bartender, she needed someone to babysit her kids while she went to work. Oh, so why not let this convict do it? Yeah, right. You know, hey, man, you look like a normal guy with your great big hey. knife and chasing people around, convict inmate motherfucker. Hey, at least it wasn't Wesley Allen Dodd. That's a good point. Because eh. he was a... I was going to say, because there's always something worse. That is true. 
In January of 1966, Richard's wife filed for her official divorce, which I guess I can't blame her. The same month that his wife filed for divorce, Richard stabbed a man with a knife at Jenny's Lounge. So I guess that he can't drink there anymore. Because, you know, that's kind of a no-no when you're stabbing customers. Yeah, it's kind of frowned upon. Well, he was facing yet another aggressive assault charge. <clears throat> but his mother hired him a lawyer who got his charges reduced to disturbing the peace. For stabbing somebody? I think his mom should have fucking... I like, want that lawyer. His mom should have sucker punched him right in the fucking jubblies. Right in his nuts and said, you dumb fuck. And you see, back in our day, not only would our mothers have done that, but everybody from when it happened to when we got home would have too. Oh, tell me about it, man. My family would have lined up and they would have said, son, we're going to pray. What are we going to pray? Just we'll lead this. Lord, please prepare... Scott, for the ass whooping, he's about ready to receive, for it will last for days. <laughs> and then, about the time I heal up, they'd be like, I'm gonna go stab anybody anymore, boy? And I'd be like, mm, no, I think that's a bad idea to stab people. We thought so. Yeah, and then they'll pop you in the back of the head and say, and then you'll go, what's that for? And they'll say, good measure. Yep, good measure. <laughs> Richard was locked up for three days when he when he failed to pay the fine. So he gets his... his, his Charges reduced. And won't even pay the damn And doesn't even pay the fucking fine. This, 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 it's, it, it, this all, to me, honestly, before I go on, stems from, number one, losing his brother and losing his dad. Mm -hmm. But you go from that traumatic experience down to this dipshit Carl, who's, who's your stepdad. Who's supposed to be a father figure. Right. Yeah. It, which is drastically different from your father. Yeah. And he's sitting there calling you names and putting you down and being drunk all the time, not setting a good example, just being a really... A piece of shit. Yeah. You know, so that's just, I got a little sympathy for Richard. I don't well, agree you know with what, what he did. the sad part is, but... is I felt sympathy for him as soon as you told me his, he was really close with his dad and his dad died suddenly. Because that is a, like, a huge, especially for a young boy. Right, and I ask myself questions when, whenever I'm doing research and shit like that. Or now I have to ask questions when I'm reading what researchers, because we actually have some researchers now. Well, you do for now. I do for now. No, actually, we got two of them, but. I'll tell you in a minute. but um, Why do you get two? No, no, we have oh. two. We. Oh, okay. Plural, not singular dipshit. Okay. God. I thought you said I have two. I said, why do you get now two I when I haven't even hired my one yet, bitch? Hold on. <laughs> okay. Now I understand. Oh. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Dick. <laughs> on March 5th of 1966, Richard bought himself a used car. Then he burglarized a grocery store yet again. He stole 70 cartons of cigarettes, and then he sold them out of the trunk of his car in the parking lot of the, of the store of which he had robbed. You know, that harkens back to an I Love Lucy. <laughs> no, seriously, an I Love Lucy episode when she mistakenly, they get this freezer, you know, that huge walk-in freezer down the basement, and they go and order this beef, and they're like, oh, yeah, we want this, and it turns out to be way more than they thought it was. And so she goes and tries to resell it at the butcher. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what that reminded me of right there. It was a whole I Love Lucy episode all around what, it. Who the fuck steals like anything and you sell it right in the parking lot Dude, of where you freaking just stole it from? Scott, we've been doing this since June 28, 2021, and we are still asking ourselves, why do these idiots do these idiot things? Well, I wrote right here, I'm not sure if he has balls or if he's just a Freaking moron. No, or no brains. <laughs> Big balls, no brains. Maybe both. Maybe both. 
Well, the cops traced the car to him after he abandoned it in the parking lot of the grocery store, same one he was selling it out of, right? And then he was once again arrested. I don't understand. This would make his 42nd arrest in Dallas for Mr. Speck. <laughs> that is stupid. Oh, if he were to get convicted, that would mean another prison sentence for Richard um, or his. Uh, so, so his sister, Carolyn, drove him to the bus station where he caught a bus to Chicago. So long, cowboys. I'm heading north. Yeehaw. So long, cowboys. I'm going to be a bear. <laughs> That's basically what he said. He said, so long, cowboys. I'm going to be a polar bear. <laughs> yeah. Big paws. I fucking hate you. <laughs> I can't even say the word polar bear anymore without going polar bear. I get that all the time. You know, and I'll tell you, I don't know if I told you who told me that joke, but it's my former bass player. And yeah, the one that. Um, the one's transgender. Yeah. Terry. Yeah. And she said, it's the dumbest joke in the world. And to me, it's the fucking funniest joke. And it's stupid. It is so but stupid, but the way you say it, I mean, it literally, every time I like see a polar bear or anything, I go, Poo, in my head, polar bear. Polar bear. <laughs> Richard stayed with his sister Martha and her family for a few days, and then he went back to Monmouth, Illinois, to stay with some friends. Okay. Richard's brother, Howard, was a carpenter in Monmouth, and he helped Richard get a job sanding wallboards for another carpenter. Like, I'm not going to hire you, motherfucker, but, you know, Bill over here will. <laughs> He moved. <laughs> You're my brother-in-law. I won't hire you, but, you know. No, I won't. Your brother. Oh, I was going to say, I won't tell this other guy what you really like, so maybe he will. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to tell Bill over here that you're a total piece of work. Yeah, total fuck-off. But, you know, if you can, like, maybe not be a fuck-up for a couple of days, that'd yeah. be, yeah. Don't ruin white my of reputation. That'd be mighty white of you. He moved into the Christie Hotel in downtown Monmouth and spent most of his time in the bars around town. Duh. I was going to say, yeah, that's a given. Richard and some of his friends from town were on a bar hopping trip heading to the Gulfport of Illinois. Gulfport, Illinois, which I have no fucking idea what that is. I don't is. know where Gulfport, Illinois is either. Yeah, it said that, but I started scratching my head. There's no golf in Illinois. It's landlocked. Un momento, por favor. I have my computer up. And then we put in our notebook and we think, think, think. Go away. Anyway, where, where they were detained overnight after Richard threatened a guy in a bathroom bar with a knife. There we go again, right? Mm-hmm. I know what you guys are thinking right now. Hey, Scott, where's the killing? It seems like Richard Speck is just an asshole, but it's not like he's killing anyone. Just wait. Here comes the escalation. Go ahead. I'm just looking. Can I continue? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I didn't say stop. Look. Yeah, that's the same thing certain ladies say. <laughs> it is over by um, Carthage Lake. Oh. Um, yeah, Carmen area, Lomax. That area. Vaguely know that area. Okay. Pontiusock. Whatever. <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah, nobody likes you either. <laughs> it's late at, uh, on an early April morning. It's 1 a.m. And Miss Virgil Harris, who's a uh, 65-year-old divorced woman, returns to her home to find a man that she described as tall, soft-spoken, with a southern drawl, brandishing a knife. 
as he robbed as he's robbing her house, he tied her up. Have you ever been tied up, Tammy? And stole the two dollars and fifty cents that she had made uh, from babysitting that night. It's actually sixteen point three miles north of Terre Haute. Oh yeah, okay. I, I know knew exactly you'd know that that was. Yeah, I know where Terre Haute is. A week later, a thirty-two woman, thirty-two-year-old uh, barmaid by the name of Mary Kay Pierce, fell victim to Richard as well. The bar that Richard loved to go to, called Frank's Place, was owned by her brother-in-law. Go figure, he can't go back to Jenny's, right? Because yeah, he kind of burned his motherfuckers. It's like kind of like me in the Walmart that a Walmart that's in New Mexico. They got his picture up, said no, you can't come back. The bar that Richard lived in, there is a place owned by brother in law. She was last seen on April 9th around 12.45 in the morning and was reported missing on April 13th. They found her body in an empty hog house that was located at the back of the bar. She died because she was hit in the abdomen so hard that it actually ruptured her liver. Oh, shit. Pretty big blow, right? The hog house is one of several that Speck had built for Frank's place. The police questioned him and when, uh, when he came to pick up his paycheck on April 15th. After they questioned him, they told him, hey, don't leave town. Like they always do in the... Uh, the, the Wild West shows? Yeah, well... Oh, I, I, yeah, and all the crime drama. The, the, yeah. the film noir shows with oh, detectives. Yeah. Make sure you don't leave town, see? We'll be back to talk to you. <laughs> when the police went to the hotel that he was staying at to, quether, to, to question him further... They found out that he had left a few hours earlier. He's like, adios, bitch, nachos. <laughs> they said not to leave town. Hmm, I should leave town. I should probably leave town because I know how this plays out, and I've been arrested before. That's right. I've seen this movie. It doesn't end well for me. <laughs> he was seen carrying a suitcase and said that he was going to go to the laundromat to do some laundry. Carrying a suitcase to the yep. laundromat. <laughs> In reality, he had left town. The cops searched his room, and they found... Items that were taken from various burglaries, including items that were taken from Miss Virgil Harris. Okay. Uh, the victim that he sold the two dollars and fifty cents baby, baby, you know, babysitting money from. Oh. Speck had fled back to Chicago and stayed with his sister Martha. Again, you're going to hear Martha a lot, by the way. Hey, Martha. This woman must have been a goddamn saint, and you'll see why. Like I'm sitting, her and her husband Gene. You'll hear his name too. I'm, as I'm researching, I'm just shaking my head going, these two must be absolute fucking saints. So I am a saint. <laughs> I put up with you. Y'all smell that? I smell bullshit. I smell a lot of bullshit. Anyway, Martha worked as an RN in pediatrics, and her husband, Gene, worked as a switchman for the railroad. Oh. Speck told them a story about having to leave Monmouth because he refused to sell drugs for the crime syndicate there. Gene, having served in the Navy, thought that the Merchant Marines would be a good place for Richard Speck to find a job. So he, could, so he took him down to the Coast Guard where he got his letter of authority that said that he was approved to work there. Like on ships and things like that. They had to get a letter of authority. I don't know if you still have to do that because I don't, I don't go down with the seamen. Um... Bet you swallow them. Oh! Why do I even open the doors? In order to get the letter, it required him to get fingerprinted, a physical, and his picture taken. That's going to play in a little bit later. 
After he received his letter, he quickly found work as an assistant, as an apprentice seaman <laughs> aboard a bulk ship named the Clarence B. Randall, which was a bulk or lake freighter. Okay. Whew, try saying that without your brain skipping. Don't do drugs. The job was short-lived, however. Speck was hit with an appendicitis. Mm. Yeah. He was airlifted to St. Joseph's Hospital in Michigan. Hey, Tammy. Can you guess where the hospital uh, that he went to is? Well, considering you're asking me and you're not holding up your hand, the Uper? The goddamn Uper. Up in the Uper. And it said the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I went, the fucking goddamn Uper. Look. Well, because when you said guess where that is, I didn't have, you didn't have your left hand up. So I knew you weren't going to point anywhere there. Look here, Michiganians. I'm not a Michiganian. Quit call it, calling it a damn youper. That's retarded. Fuck. Anyway, that's where he had his appendix removed. After he got out of the hospital, he went back to Chicago to stay with his sister Martha again. He stayed there uh, to kind of recuperate, and then he went uh, back and he rejoined his shipmates. Okay. That was until... He got drunk and got into a fight with one of the ship's officers. Of course. They left him back on shore. They're like, they say, took him back to shore. They're like, uh, didn't make him walk the plank. I walked the plank, bitch. You're going to drown. He then went back up to a town called Houghton, Michigan. Who? Houghton, H O U G H T O N, Michigan. Okay. You see, when he was at St. Joseph's, he met a young nurse's aide, I put naked, <laughs> named Judy. Lacanomy. Fuck me, that's a fucked up name. Um, while he, so while he's staying with her, she lent him 80 bucks so he could uh, you know, kind of get by until he found work. When he got his money... Biggest mistake. Yeah, he was off and running back to Chicago. <laughs> he stayed there for another two weeks. It was at this point that his brother-in-law, Gene, drove him down to the National Maritime Union Hall so that he could find another job. He went to register for a berth on the SS Flying Spray, which was headed to South Vietnam. He lost his job because there was a seaman, <laughs> seaman with more experience than he had. He went back to his sister's place for the weekend. Sorry. Yeah, that, let, let's keep saying that on the recording. That's great. By that Monday, <laughs> July 11th, he had worn out his welcome at his sister's house. And once again... Packed his bags, and his brother-in-law, Gene... Took him to find another job? Once again, took him back down to the Union Hall so they can find another job. It's like the Union Hall, the fucking um, day labor camp, the day labor lines when you go pick up somebody to help haul trash away? Uh, you gotta go down there to get jobs for I'm your kidding. union, I guess. I don't know. I was giving you a hard time. So he stayed the night at Pauline's boarding house, and the next day he went down to the Union Hall. Okay, what's he supposed to do? That's where he got a berth on the SS St. Clair. It was half an hour, it was a half an hour drive uh, from where he was. He went to the ship, but the position had already been given away. Oh no! He went back to the Union Hall only to find it closed for the night, and he didn't have enough money for a boarding house, so he slept in an unfurnished uh, an unfinished house that he oh. found. Kind of like a bum. That's kind of sad. Yeah, kind of sad. It's fucked up. That's a bad day. Yeah. The next day, after checking in at the Union Hall, Speck's sister and Jean, her hubby, drove down to visit him. They spent about a half hour talking in their car, and, you know, Speck was pissed about being given an assignment that didn't even exist. Yeah. 
They gave him 25 bucks to help him out. Uh, and after spending a day waiting for a new assignment and not getting one, Speck went to a boarding house on, and this is going to be important, on East 101st Street. Then he spent the rest of the day drinking at a tavern before attacking Ella May Hooper at Knife Point. She had been drinking at the same tavern as Speck was drinking in, and she had been drinking all day, too. Well, you know. <sighs> Alcoholic love. I say, that's just written in the stars. Well, then he raped her and stole her money and a twenty-two caliber handgun, Ooh, shit, which was more life. like a little midnight special mail-order deal she had, right? Yeah. After that? Sounds like a lipstick shooter. Yeah. After that, he had dinner, and he went back to the tavern. As if nothing happened. Yeah, like, I'm just going to drink some more. When he left there, he was armed with a pocket knife, a hunting knife, and a stolen twenty-two revolver. At around 11 p.m. on July 13th of 1966, Speck broke into a townhouse located on East 100th Street. Okay. In the townhouse lived a group of nursing students. He was armed, and after taking them hostage, he systematically raped and killed almost every nursing student that was in there holy shit at the end of his killing and raping spree he had killed eight young nursing students in one night in one night and that's what everybody seems to focus on is just those murders but i wanted to bring to light all the bullshit that's happened before Before that yeah and plus i think that he killed that he definitely killed the one oh i'm sure he did too well there was only one survivor a young lady by the name of cora amuro A-M-U-R-A-O. Amuro. Yeah. She had hidden under the bed. She hid there until around 6 o'clock in the morning where she crawled out the window and yelled, they're all dead. My friends are all dead. Oh, shit. So after comparing fingerprints they found at the scene to a fingerprint that was provided to them by the FBI, they had their man. Well, of course. They knew that, because remember, he got fingerprinted to get his authority letter. Yeah. Yeah. So he can get his authority letter, picture, and plus the fingerprinting. Right. I got that. They knew that it was Richard Speck. Two days after the murders, a drifter named Claude Lunsford told the police that he had been drinking with Speck and another guy on a fire escape at the Star Hotel. Lunsford had recognized a sketch of Speck uh, that he saw in the newspaper and then called the cops after finding Speck in his room. Like, I'm going to rob your room, motherfucker. Oh, wow. The downside is the cops didn't respond to the call that Lunsford had made. Yeah. Way to go. Well, Speck... Is that Chicago PD? Yeah, Chicago PD. Speck tried to kill himself. Ooh. Um, And the desk clerk at the Star Hotel called the emergency number. So Speck was taken to the hospital, and that's where Dr. Leroy Smith noticed Speck... Uh, Speck's tattoo that said, Born to Raise Hell, which they had published in the newspaper. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't remember you mentioning that, but yeah, okay. said He had read about that in the newspaper. He called the police. That's when the police came and arrested Speck. Like, oh, well, you know, if a doctor's calling us, let's go to... When they could have just arrested the motherfucker in the first place at the hotel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, let's at least go check it out. No, this is the guy. Well, Speck wasn't questioned until three weeks after his arrest due to the Hmm. recent uh, uh, Miranda case, which had been vacated, which basically freed several criminals. Oh, yeah. 
there was an outrage about that suspect was on uh he was pretty much he was on the back burner they're dealing with He's this in limbo yeah they're dealing with this uh this Miranda case and you know everybody's freaking out and he's like ah, we got a back burner this motherfucker yeah before the trial would commence judge Herbert J Passion Patchen P A S C H E N requested a full evaluation of Speck's mental capacity. This panel included three physicians chosen by the defense, uh, as as well as uh, three that were chosen by the, the prosecution. prosecution. Right. Okay. That's normal. Two physicians, five psychiatrists, and one general surgeon. Okay. After an extensive evaluation, they all concluded that Richard Speck was very much sane uh, when he committed the murders. When he was awaiting trial, uh, Speck participated twice a week in sessions, uh, counseling sessions, which continued even uh, until he transferred to Peoria, Illinois, to stand his trial. You know, which a side note is if they can't find Richard Trenton Chase criminally insane, I would have a hard time seeing them find anybody. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Because he was psycho. I mean, like, literally, like, you know. Well. Dr. Marvin Ziprin, uh, who held the therapy sessions with Speck, identified depression, anxiety, guilt, and shame in Speck's emotions. Why guilt and shame? I have no idea. But we're going to get into why that's been kind of okay. uh, thrown off to the side here. In I was going to say, minute. I think I kind of have an idea based on what I know about this case. But, yeah, I don't see how they'd know it then. Well, he went on to say the spec had OCD, okay. as well as the Madonna prostitute complex, which is also known as the Madonna whore complex. So when I'm reading this, it says the Madonna prostitute. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Because in my head, I didn't switch yeah, it you around. Didn't, you didn't. No, you just didn't associate prostitute with whore. And I don't know why. I was going to say, you call me both of those on a daily basis. Because prostitutes are professionals and whores are not. Okay. Give it up to my prostitutes. Mm. <laughs> but you yourself are a whore. In psycho, <laughs> you're an asshole. I know. In psychoanalytic literature, the Madonna whore complex is the inability to maintain sexual arousal within a committed, loving relationship. Mm-hmm. First identified by Sigmund Freud, and we're gonna I'm gonna discount some of Freud shit here in a little bit too. Under <laughs> the rubric of psych uh, of psychic impotence. Impotence. Yeah, impotence. This psychological complex is said to develop in men who see women as either saintly Madonnas mm-hmm. or, to the reverse, prostitutes, whores. Nasty whores. Men with this complex desire sexual, and I actually got this right from, I just copy and paste it from Wikipedia. So I was going to say, did you go to the DSM-4? No, I didn't even look it up there. I, I was cross-referencing some stuff, and I found this, and I'm, like, I'm just going to take it right from fucking yeah. Wikipedia. Because it's, it's fairly accurate from what I remember in school. That's the reason why I did it. Well, how long ago were you in school? Four score and a hundred years ago. I was in school before we had computers. Yeah, I know. So was I. Okay. Like, before be, be, before they said, okay, just email me the assignment. We had to go to the goddamn library and actually look shit up. You know, see, and that's funny because, you know, we were talking with our tech guy yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he made me feel stupid. Just by looking at me. No, that's his job, man. <laughs> Fucking John's awesome. No, he was. I mean, he is awesome. He is totally awesome. 
But it was just like, yeah, because I thought I was smart when I programmed some basic language back in high school. But I guess you've been doing it since you were two. Yeah. <laughs> like he came out of the womb and he was programming. He was like programming fucking software for NASA. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, I just don't get it. Uh, men with this complex desire uh, a sexual partner who has been who has been degraded the whore while they cannot desire the respected partner the madonna right freud wrote where such men love they have no desire and where they desire they cannot love that's because they want to have sex with their mom and that's where i'm going to shoot freud down before we go on i was going to say with the freudian theory everything revolves around a uh, a daughter or a son wanting to have sex with their parents yeah, the opposite sex parent. And yes. I'm going to, while Freud was revolutionary for his time, I think that theory is bullshit. Yeah. There's a lot more that goes into it. Everything can't be, like Freud, like if you stubbed your toe, well, the toe represents the pain you felt from your mother, and now you want to have sex with her. No, I just stubbed my fucking toe. That's what yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, see, and I, because I used to have, because I had questioned some, you know, when I first had my son and everything, you know, because you go through and you start questioning things. Um. But I remember when he got to be, I don't know, like maybe four or five, he would always say, Mom, will you marry me? And I was like kind of put off by that for a while. Well, only mainly because of my background, you know, with the sexual abuse and everything. So you were saying that what Freud said about, uh, about Can that I finish? Is very accurate. Shut up. Anyways, no, Peter, where are let you? me finish. So what I'm trying to say is. You know, so I was a little put off by that because of my history and everything as far as, you know what I mean? Right. And so so I was talking to his pediatrician about it, and he goes, you know what, Tammy, this is what you have to understand. He doesn't understand that that's not okay. He just looks at you as you are his protector, and he knows you love him. So he goes, if you nurture that healthy relationship, of course he's going to marry somebody like you because you have shown him the ultimate love. Correct. Okay? So I get that. But the whole Madonna whore complex thing, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just two dichotomies working against each other. No, and I agree, you know, and because uh, we actually learned about children saying stuff like that to their parents, both yeah. daughters and, and, and sons. And um, and your pediatrician is pretty spot, spot on. Because yeah. you have to understand, like, kids don't put a sexual They don't. They don't know how. Yeah, to... The things that they say, with few exceptions, like, you know, in the case of molestation or oh, something yeah. like that, then, yeah, they've, they've been kind of... Yeah, so he basically told me, he goes, you know, it's not that you want to say... And it's, he said, it's okay, play along with him. Say, okay, yeah, I'll marry you, you know, but just let him know that, you know, as he gets older, that that's not okay. But Right, right, right. He just said, nurture the healthy relationship you have. Right, no, exactly. So... It's about being supportive. Okay, so... Yeah, and I know my son doesn't want to sleep with me, thank God. Clinical psychiatrist Hugh Hartman. Uh, I skipped a whole bunch of shit. Can I be loved? Okay, I didn't. Okay, uh, wrote in 2009, stating that the complex is still highly prevalent in today's patients. Mm-hmm. So, in, in what he's basically saying is, all the patients that he's seeing and that he's researched, uh, the Madonna whore complex is still very prevalent. Oh yeah. Well, you see it a lot in like the very strict mothers. Right. Like and, Ed Gein's mom. Right. And mm-hmm. you can, you, you got to take it as this right here is that, especially in today's society, mm-hmm. we have what we call the TV kids or video game kids. We put oh, our yeah. kids in front of TVs and video games. Yeah, and in our generation it. was latchkey, but yeah. Yeah. And so 
if you if you have that with the lack of interaction mm-hmm. with your child and then you put maybe a little bit of abuse in there like maybe mm-hmm. you're distant and then you come and everything they do you're yelling at them about mm-hmm. like like uh you have to fucking suck and things like that well that's a little bit of abuse it's definitely going to trigger a madonna whore complex because they they, they want the adoration of the madonna mm-hmm. You know, they want that sweetness and kindness and support. But they'll take any attention they can get. They'll take any attention, and your mom kind of showed you, not your mom, but... No, I understand. Because your mom's an angel. Um, oh, you know, God. shows you this, this this harsh right thing right here where, where she's not there. She's there, but she's not there. Right. Dr. Ziprin went on to say that uh, that he viewed women as saintly until he felt betrayed. For some for some reason. Okay, that makes sense. After he felt betrayed, that's when the hostility ensued. He also said that Speck had, and I haven't heard anybody use this in a long time, an organic brain syndrome. Had an organic brain syndrome. We're gonna get into what that is, because I had to look it up to just make sure I knew what the I fuck was I was say, talking about. Well, because I think I kind of know too, but I could be off. But I just had a thought about your whole, you know. What were you just saying I'm about saintly you... and everything? Oh, okay. Yeah, because that kind of makes sense, too, with his childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, because his mom was there supportive when his dad was alive. Mm-hmm. And then when his dad died and she married this other guy, she stood back and watched this other guy. Bingo! Yeah. I'm glad that you caught on to that because I've been yeah. waiting. So when you said that, I was like, but that's exactly how his life was. Uh-huh. Textbook. Yeah. Fucking textbook. Organic brain syndrome, also known as organic organic brain disease, organic brain disorder, organic mental syndrome, or organic mental disorder, refers to any syndrome or disorder or mental function whose cause is um, alleged to be known as organic, which is psychologic. Okay? Okay. Rather than purely of the mind. And there's actually pictures of a healthy brain. And one that has organic brain disorder. It's a shrinking of the brain. Oh. It's actually a form of brain damage. I did. Okay. Um, then that's that wasn't what I was thinking of, but okay. These names are older and nearly obsolete yeah, I've, general terms from psychiatry referring to many physical disorders that cause impaired mental function. Uh, they are also meant to exclude psychiatric disorders, mental disorders. Originally, the term was created to distinguish physical termed organic causes from mental impairment or psychiatric term functional. Okay, so in other words, it's not a psychiatric issue. It's a... A physical abnormality. Yeah, okay. Be, got be, it now. Best way to put it. I've got the whole explanation here. And I could talk about this subject for a million years, but we'll move on. I will fall asleep. Yeah. Because I love talking psychiatry. Oh, I do too. I love it. Zeppelin also said that he had sustained a brain injury to his frontal cortex as a, in his younger years, which attributed to his organic brain syndrome. But when would this have happened? Ned never said. Oh. But apparently he detected. A, so, but we've talked about that before, and I did a whole show on that. Where no, that's true. That's true. Because even if they're little and there's no abuse when they're little, a kid could fall down, hit their head, and suffer a traumatic brain. Right. Something. You and know? we bring up when it ever comes to this with the damage to the frontal and prefrontal cortex. We talk about Bobby Joe Long. Of course we do. He's the textbook. He is the poster yeah. child. Anytime you look up TBI or anything like that, it's his picture right there. It's his picture. He's yeah. the poster child for that. Yeah. 
He said that while Speck was fit to stand trial, he was insane at the time of the murders due to the effects of booze and drugs on the organic brain. Okay. Zipperin, however, Zipperin didn't uh, testify for either uh, on either side of the trial. That's because both defense and prosecution were pretty upset after finding out that he was writing a book about Speck for financial gain. This resulted... Dude, you do it after. Right, you kind of keep that shit on the download, you dumbass. No shit, yo. Well, this also resulted in the jail firing Zipperin as a part-time psychologist, uh, psychiatrist shortly after Speck's trial. They're oh, like, yeah, We're I all bet. done. Get the fuck out of here. I bet. That is so unprofessional. Speck later said that he had no recollection of the murders, although he confessed to the, he confessed them to Doctor Smith while at Cook County Hospital. That's when he that's where he went after he tried to commit suicide. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Cook refused to testify for either the defense or the prosecution because Speck con- confessed while under sedation, justifiably so. Well, yeah, that can't be. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of wonder: is it accurate? You yeah. know, he's higher than draft pussy right now. I was going to say, and te- well, I don't know if they had those laws back then, but technically that doctor couldn't have testified on his behalf or the prosecution's behalf anyways because unless he thought somebody else was in danger, he can't divulge that information. Unless subpoenaed. Not necessarily. I don't think that. I think he can, yeah. Oh. Maybe. Yeah, I should be able to. Now I lost my spot. Okay, hold on. The prosecution said that they didn't even need Dr. Smith's testimony. Yeah, I don't because think Because so. they had plenty of evidence as well as eyewitnesses. Of course. One of those eyewitnesses was the only survivor from that night that he murdered the nursing students, and that was Cora Amuro. Right. When she was on the witness stand, she was, a- she was asked if she could identify the man who killed her friends. Well... Did she stand up and say, that's him right over there? Very accurate. I tell you what, Miss <laughs> Cora, if you're still awake or not awake alive, you got balls bigger than a bull's. And I'll tell you why. Cora got up from her seat, walked to Speck's table. Oh, shit. Pointed at him like where she could almost touch him and said, this man. Good for her. Sweetheart, you have brass balls. Be proud of that no shit. No shit, yo. To face your attacker like that? Fuck yeah, man. Because you know if she wouldn't have come out from underneath that bed, she'd have been gone too. <laughs> oh shit, yeah. Yeah. She'd be toast. On Although April... I'd be kind of hard be like, why didn't I tr- come out and try to save them? You know what I mean? I think I'd have that You'd be like, why didn't you do me too? I feel left out. What did I tell you about my own private life? <laughs> On April 15th, after only 49 minutes of deliberation. What I drunk text you is my business. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the jury came back with guilty, a guilty verdict, a verdict on all eight counts of murder with a recommendation for the death penalty. On June 5th, the judge handed down uh, his verdict during the sentencing hearing. His verdict was the death penalty. Speck was to die via the electric chair, although... As that's pre-1972, so... Although the judge handed down the death penalty, there was a stay of execution pending an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, which was an automatic appeal. Oh, yeah, it's always automatic, yeah. On November 22nd, 1968, the Supreme Court upheld the death penalty. Well, Speck had luck on his side, though. 1972. (laughs) As we all know, the death penalty does not come quickly in most of the United States, except for Texas. I was going to say, it's usually... Quicker in Texas, though. Except for Texas. Texas, 
They put you right at the front of the line. Like, let's just kill them all now. It's Dave. Yeah, know how to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to kill them, know when to run. Yeah, pretty much. That's fucking Texas, man. It normally takes years to actually execute someone, and that was what saved Spec. On June 29th, uh, 1972, in the U.S. Supreme Court case of Furman versus Georgia, the U.S. Supreme Court declared that the death penalty was not constitutional. Mm-hmm. That left the state of Illinois with only one option when it came to Richard Specht, and that was to resentence that motherfucker. What? That made no sense. No, they had to resentence him. Instead of just commuting it to life? That's how they committed, committed to life. Oh. They, it's called a resentencing hearing. Oh. Because that he was going to die. Well, that's no longer an option. Right. So I've never seen him go through a resentence. Oh, excuse me. I'm just spitting meat out. <laughs> never... That doesn't happen often. No. You got to you got to pay extra fat in Thailand? No. That was a free. No, my whole thing is it usually doesn't go through a whole nother resentencing phase. It usually just goes, "Okay, I can no longer do the death penalty because they've abolished it, so therefore it automatically commutes." You don't understand no, what I mean? I don't know how that's it happened, I, but I had resentence. Anyway, he was resentenced to 400 to 1200 years in prisons on the eight counts of murder uh for the nursing students. 400, how many? 400 to 1,200 years. Ah, oh, shit. That's half Abraham's life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Speck refused almost all of the media interviews that came his way. That was until he granted Chicago Tribune columnist Bob Green an interview. He told Green that he planned out uh, getting out around the year 2000 and that he said that he wanted to open up his own grocery store. Speck's Fine Foods? <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. You stuff them, we cut them. Ooh, you stab them, I grab them. Yeah, <laughs> that's cannibalism. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and the, but in the article, once our article that that was written, he once again confessed to the murders. So apparently, he had full recollection, right? Uh, so apparently, he hasn't gotten any smarter. So now we're going to get into why I call him. The queen bee of the cell Dude, block. I'm telling you. In 1988, a video was made of Speck. It was a homemade porno that was made in the prison of which housed Richard Speck. Yeah, he was a bit. He was turned out. Well, Speck had been taking female hormones that were smuggled in for him so he could grow breasts. And some say that it's alleged, but I saw parts of the video that I had found. Well, I saw parts of the video too and I don't when I was looking at it, I didn't necessarily see hormone induced breasts. I just saw a flabby saw old man. I saw some titties. See, I think that's how you would look if you lost any weight right now with your I man boobs. You. No, I'm just so saying. Much. You're fired from talking. He was known Let's as Let's not queen. even talk about your He's a 38D and he just turned 22. <laughs> He was known as the queen bee of the prison and would trade sexual favors for anything that he needed, such as cigarettes, protection, or cocaine. drugs. I yeah, saw him fucking do cocaine off this yeah. guy's leg. It was fucking awesome. Dude, that was weird. Lucky bastard. The two oh, wait, hour... wait, which one was the lucky bastard? The one doing the cocaine or the one getting it done off of him? Both. Oh, okay. And if it was uh, Patrick, I would have done more than that. Anyway. <clears throat> the two-hour film show... Uh, now you know why he's not writing you. The, the two-hour <laughs> film shows Speck performing various sexual acts on, uh, with other inmates. 
Along with the sexual acts, he recounted the details of the murder uh, with what he what seemed to me to be great pride. Yeah, I, I heard that too. To this day, no one knows how Speck and the other inmates got into the secure room that was used to train new prison guards. Please, I could tell you exactly how it happened. Amen. I'm not gay, but a 20 is a 20. Dude, and did you notice that the other guys on that tape were black and he was very much white? Yeah. Yeah, he was turned out. <laughs> in May of 1996, a TV anchor by the name of Bill Curtis received a tape that was made at Statesville Prison. Mm-hmm. It was sent by an anonymous attorney. He pointed out the drug use, passing of money, and sex acts being done by the inmates. He, put, uh, I think there was like to a congressional hearing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the thing is, is they weren't releasing that so people could see what Richard Speck was right. doing. They were releasing that to show the, um, the lax lack of, right. attitude that the prisons had. In the video, you can hear a man behind the camera ask Speck why he killed the nurses. And Speck replies, and I'm going to quote, it just wasn't their night. He also goes on to say that he had no feelings about the kill Mm-mm. about killing the girls and says that if he knew how if they knew how much fun I was having in prison, they'd turn me loose. Yeah, I heard that too. Since he'd been locked up is actually what he said since I how much fun I've been having since I've been locked up. Mm-hmm. They'd turn me loose. Yeah. Speck died of a heart attack on but I would too. Did you say all that cocaine when you too? All that cocaine Dude, and black. Did you see how much cocaine they had on that thing? I did. I was a little bit jealous, actually. I was, I was looking at it going, that is a shit ton of fucking cocaine. I was coke. like, God damn. I've that been, is a lot of fucking prison pocket shit. I've been, uh, you know, fucking clean for a long time, but that much cocaine, I might want to commit a felony. I was going to say, that was a lot of fucking cocaine. So he died of a heart attack because of cocaine and black dick. Um. <laughs> You know, for a second there, I thought that was, like, factual. You were, like, going into his cause of death. And then the black dick part hit me, and I'm like, you motherfucker. Because you pointed out the black guys. I started thinking, man, there's only so much pounding a man can take. Well, no, I pointed that out because it's very common that, you know, races don't intermix with other races in prison. It's just unheard of. They have specific Hispanic showers, black showers, white showers, Sections of the yard. It's all different, you know. But, you know, as much as I'm picking on Richard Speck, he, he did the smart thing. He got protection. He's not a very, like, if you look at his pictures, he's a very thin man. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look very tough. Yeah, type he of got a thing. protection. And you're in prison for the rest of your life. You don't want to die. And maybe you want a little party party. You want some drugs. You want some, yeah. you want some smoke. Maybe you're going to suck a little bit of dick. And you know what? And if get you what give you it up freely, yeah. you're not getting raped. That's all I'm saying. That's actually kind of a smart move. Yeah, very smart. God, I hope I never go to prison. I'm going to fucking die. He died at Silver... you're not too pretty for prison. Don't worry. I'm way too pretty for prison. He died at Silver Cross Hospital in Joliet. Joliet. Yeah, that's it. Illinois. After complaining about chest pains and nausea. Wow. Dr. Jan Lietzma, a a neuropathologist. Spell the first name. Jan, J-A-N. It's actually where the guy, is it a guy? Yeah, it's a guy. His name is John. It's Jan. It's pronounced John. Look, Frederica. You know how I know? Don't care. Because I have a lot of Johns in my family. Oh, I bet you do. In the Netherlands. Paying you a little extra for that? (laughs) Fuck off. He performed an autopsy on Speck's brain. 
He found gross abnormalities in his brain in both the hippocampus and the amygdala. Wow. Yeah. The hippocampus, for those of you that don't know, by the way, that deals with your memory. Yes. And your amygdala deals with rage and other very strong emotions. Right, right, right. That's like impulse control. Well, and I want to make it clear. I said rage, of course, but also deep, passionate love. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, it deals with just everything that is super, a super strong emotion, not just Mm -hmm. a surface emotion. Well, Speck's body was never claimed. His sister was afraid that people would desecrate his grave if he was buried out there where she lived. Which makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Speck was cremated and his ashes were scattered at an unknown location, only known to, I think it was like the prison warden and... Oh, not even her family, his family? I think so, or something like that, her sister. There's only two people, right? All right, here's my closing thoughts, and then we're going to talk about Richie Rich Speck. After researching Richard Speck, I've come, I've come away with some unanswered questions. I'm left wondering if the evil that was, that was Richard Speck was created by his brain abnormalities combined with the abuse that he had at the hands of his stepfather. I'm not leaving his mother out of the abuse category either. No. Why didn't she stand up for her son, and why would she choose to be with someone that's vastly different than Richard's father, who by all accounts seemed to be a pretty upstanding dude? Right. I have some theories, but, you know. I do understand why he gave sexual favors to the inmates. and oh, me too. And that he, was, uh, that he was serving time with. He was not able to defend himself as well as he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wanted to get high, mm-hmm. so he traded sex for things that he needed. Yeah. It makes sense, right? I mean, I've seen Oz. He ain't pretty. <laughs> this is Oz, bitch. The Oswald State Correctional Facility. I'm leaving this episode with these thoughts in my head and trying to sort them, uh, sort them the best that I can to understand what creates a person like Speck. Think about all the things that had to happen in order for him to take the path that he chose to take. The robbing, the raping, and the failing in his life in general. Yeah. That's my closing thought. But see, you know, but when you say that, I mean, when you were saying that, you know what I was picturing, and this is really weird, but not really, is that um, I had a comment on our Medium post about Carl the other day. Okay. Somebody made the comment, and usually I don't see this because you and I have our beliefs about Carl. 100%. 100%. We've been very adamant about it. We don't hide how we feel. For the first time ever, I had somebody say on the comments, and I wish I should pull it up, but basically she said, could you imagine what this guy's life would have been if somebody would have shown him some compassion early on. Exactly. So when I'm thinking of Richard, I'm thinking he had an excellent dad. Mm -hmm. He had somebody he loved, cared for him, you know, that he could look up to. Lost him when he was young. Okay? Then he loses his older brother, who, you know, kind of probably took over that protective role of him. Right. And then his mother marries this other guy who's a (laughs) dickhead. Total douchebag. You know what I mean? So, could you imagine where Richard's life would have been if his dad or his brother had not have died? No, exactly, exactly. And his, I think his sis- his sister Martha and her Tried. 
and and her husband Gene. I think they tried their best. I think that honestly, I think they're fucking saints. But right, but at that point, it was kind of a little too late. Yeah, it's you know all this shit's just happened. like Henry Lesser showed Carl that ounce. I mean that respect and that you know what I mean that compassion. Right. But by that point, it was too late for Carl. He didn't know how to you know. Right, you know, and think about when this when the the mental abuse is happening. It's it's in his teenage years, so it's between the ages of what, like thirteen. Yeah, those and, are very impressionable years. Yeah, and that's what because you're coming into puberty about twelve. And 13 you question years old. yourself, and you question these emotions that you're having. You know, yeah. Instead of having somebody you can go to that's a father figure yeah. or, or parental figure at all, yeah, and saying, "Hey, look, this is what's going on with me." You're living in kind of fear because you got this asshole who's putting you down all the time. Yeah. And beating you down. And you got a mom that's like, well, that's my husband. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. It's yeah. just as what I it is. I married him. He's our dad now. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Well, and you that know. shit. And maybe, you know, maybe he abused her too. And she just didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. You know? But, I mean, but then I also look at it too. Because I read this. I don't know if you read it too. Because I just caught a glimpse of it when I was trying to search for that video for you. Um, was that possibly... He was confused because he was transgender. You know, maybe yeah, he did well have that feel, those feelings and stuff. And maybe he, that's where his confusion was, you know, which I can understand because back then we talked about it. That was unheard of. Right, because it was actually listed in the DSM yeah, as was, a mental disorder. It was. It was a mental disorder. It was a disease. It was, you know, unnatural. It was, it was like sexual dysgraphia or something like that. or It's sexual dysmorphia. Dysmorphia. That's what it is. You always say dyscrapia. I don't know why. I don't either, because dyscrapia is not even a word. Dyscrapia. Oh, I thought you said crapia. No, dyscrapia. Oh, dysmorphia. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, you know, so I can understand confusion. Because if that's really what he was going through, I can understand where some of this was coming from. Not the extreme rage and the murdering, but, you know, the acting out and the... You know, I can trying to find himself. I can actually understand the rage and the murdering. And let me tell you why. If he's having these feelings. Now, you've already had a stepfather who's beat you down. Right, right, right. So essentially in your own head, you're a piece of shit. Already, yes. Now, you have these feelings of like, hey. That society's telling you is not okay. I kind of like guys or I kind of feel more like a chick than I yeah. do a guy. So now you have this, and the whole society is saying, that's a mental disease, dude. Yeah, that's not okay. That's wrong. Yeah, that, you're, you are wrong on every level. Yeah. I can see why he would be attacking. Mm-hmm. And, the self, and it's also, I see a lot of self-destructive behavior Oh, yeah, totally, as well. totally. I mean, who goes and robs from a place and then sells right outside of them if they don't want to get busted? Exactly. That is exactly. like, yeah, that is self-sabotage. Right Lucas there. and Tool aren't even that stupid. Oh, so we God, have to no, assume that I think Richard Speck was a little bit smarter than they were. Well, you would hope. And so, like I said, if Lucas and Tools look at it going, hey, we stole 70 cartons of cigarettes. Let's go sell them somewhere else. Yeah, they're the ones that switched up their MO so they wouldn't get caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's like that to me was saying, you know, hey, look at what I did. Please come take me away. Right, you know? which which does prove, uh, what was his name, uh, Zipperin's yeah. thing of the depression, the anxiety, but also... Um, the confusion, uh, the confusion in the, yeah. and he should have thrown in there a self-destructive oh, yeah, behavior totally. syndrome. Totally. Yeah. So it, it all kind of makes sense. Yeah. Dude, you we know? could go on for days about him because he is a, like a psychological trope, treasure trove. Well, what I found really interesting was we were now we were just talking about the amygdala mm-hmm. and the hippocampus, right? 
This was the only time that it, it, it's ever been seen even since this happened. But those two parts of the brain actually had overlapped each other. Ooh. And it's never been seen before. And it has not been seen since, where the hippocampus and the amygdala actually overlapped yeah. each other. That was that gross abnormality. So that's telling... Wow. So there was brain damage. Wow. It was, you know, and I, that, that's going to happen from birth. That's not because of an accident. Yeah, or that is that's not, a birth defect. Yeah, that is not a traumatic brain injury. That is a birth defect. Yeah, so you have those two things kind of working against you. Yeah. I can... Which to me, as I'm reading that, when it when it came to the results of uh, uh, his brain, and by the way, all that information got lost in between uh, that doctor examining it and mm-hmm. making slides, and by the time that it got to the Chicago hospital, oh, of course it did. That's magically fucking disappeared. Of course it did. Just like that one, the guy who fucking um, performed um, Einstein's. Right. Autopsy. I don't know where the brain tissue went. Oh, wait, it's right here. <laughs> but it had been witnessed by another doctor, and I didn't mention his How name bizarre. in there. But uh, there you have it. It's right there. It's That's a major... So you can kind of understand why he's doing what he's doing. Think of... Yeah. Because you know me. I look at the big spectrum of everything, yeah. right? So you have the traumatic loss. Mm-hmm. You have, hey, I'm close to my dad. Well, now my dad died of a heart attack. Yeah, but my so. older brother's still here. But you have to look at the stress yeah. that's going on. Now you have mom, and she's responsible for eight fucking kids right here. Oh, yeah. We have a okay? ton of kids. Well, seven because the oldest sister had moved out and gotten married. Okay. So you still have seven kids, right? But still. That's still, no matter how good of a parent you are, mm-hmm. that's high stress. Oh, yeah. And as a single parent now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like before, it's like both of two people took care of eight kids. You know, so you kind of like, you know, balance right. back and forth. We have the dad that worked in the mom that stayed at home. That works. Yeah. But now you have mom. Who has to go out and work and, yeah. Yeah, and, and support him. So then mm-hmm. she goes on a trip. She meets this douche canoe on, on, on the train, this traveling asshole, and says, oh, I need, and I think it was a, just a purely an act of desperation. Like, I need a father for my kids to take care of us because I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. So let's bring Carl home and get married yeah, to him. it's better with two of us than one. And she would have been better off going to the zoo and, and grabbing a, a silverback gorilla. Yeah, now I was gonna say the same thing. Grabbing a gorilla, <laughs> saying, "This is dad now." That's a much better option. Go than to the this zoo, asshole. grab a Scotty. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. No, because I like to pee on her. Um. So many who's again. What I drunk text you is my business. <laughs> but um, so she brings him home. Mm-hmm. Thinking in her head that, okay, this is the best option that I have. And guess what, Mama? Mama Speck, you have better fucking options out there. <laughs> yeah, no shit, You could have got a hobo. I think that would have been better. But um, so here's this guy. You have, you have the stress. You have the, traumatic, the, 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 the two traumas. Now you, you inject this Carl dude who's beating you down. That adds to the stress. That adds to the trauma. Mm-hmm. And it also starts to program your still-developing mind oh, yeah. in a specific way. And then your hormones kick in. Oh, yeah. Among eh, Along with every other fucking thing that you're dealing with, your hormones kick yeah, in. Yeah, and if you're even questioning your sexuality in any way, and yeah. you don't have a way to express that so now you in have a healthy that environment. On top of it. Mm-hmm. And we can see as he as he's going on the very self like I said self destructive behavior, 
very self-destructive, very self-deprecating. A light bulb just went. Did you see the light bulb go off in my head? I did. You perked up. <laughs> no, I was like, wait a minute. No, something just dawned on me. That You're if he was that? truly feeling those feelings, like if he was transgender and everything, and really was feeling that un, un like that uncertainty within himself, confused about his sexuality, then it makes sense that he would lash out at women. Exactly. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. That's exactly what I what, what I was getting around to explain. It explains that, you know, especially if they're confident in themselves. Even though he does have, he has at least one child. Mm-hmm. He's been with women. Mm-hmm. But look at the self-destructive behavior right? time and time again right. with the women that he was with. Yeah. He's got the one that was the older nurse. Right. Gets his money. Boom. He bails. Which, that to me is a mom complex because, you know, older woman. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. But then his 15-year-old wife, when, you know, she gets pregnant and everything like that, it, he destroys that as well. Mm-hmm. And... You see that with people that have those kinds of upbringings, me included, because I, I oh, love you. About you. I use myself as the greatest fucking experiment for, for mental disorders ever. Look at the way that I was raised and how I was brought up and all the self-destructive fucking mm-hmm. relationships that I've had. Mm-hmm. Okay? Very few have been to where they could have been successful. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like my first wife, that could have been successful if her and I didn't want to murder each other. And maybe if her parents died, you know, because fuck. I don't blame her, Maritza. I feel your pain. I love you, sister. My sister from another mister. <laughs> but with, with her, because she came from an interesting background as well, mm-hmm. um, her parents were always injecting themselves into places that they didn't belong. Like, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and uh, this, this place isn't good enough for you guys. It's a really nice apartment. Scott shouldn't own motorcycles. It was just different fucking things like that Nip-picky. all the time. Nippicky. Okay, but I have a string of very bad relationships that I have destroyed myself, mm-hmm. as well as picking out women that I know will fucking destroy me. Yes. And I do it on purpose. I know you do. We've had this talk. Oh, yeah. well, I'm not... We have had this talk before, mister. Well, I'm letting our listeners know. Yeah, Thank well, you very much. I will keep my two cents to myself. No. No, but no, that just made total sense to me because especially if those women were confident oh, in themselves and their sexuality, then I understand why he would lash out at them and want to hurt them. Yeah, so it all on makes a, sense. On a, you know, not like a I condone it level, but a I kind of get it level. So yeah, then that that's where I was going to bring it all to a head before we end this uh, episode is that so you have self-destructive. This is the longest episode you've ever done. I'm so proud of you. It is not. Maybe. I don't know. So you have self-destructive, right? You have probably feelings of gender uh, dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. You've got all the stress of childhood. So mm-hmm. you got that running around in your head. And you, even and you though, don't know how to process anything. Even if his mom periodically or his sisters and brothers said, hey, look, you're not what Carl says you are. You know, you're not this and it that. It doesn't matter. It's still going to echo. Yeah, it's it still always going to echo. You hold on to the negative more than you hold on to the positive. 100%. Because it's easier for you to believe the negative than it is to believe the positive. Totally. We're all that way. Yeah. I'm the prime fucking example Me of that too. bullshit. Me too. So you got all that wrapping around in your head, and it all culminates together. Mm-hmm. That explains the self-destructive behavior mm-hmm. right down to why he gave sexual favors. Oh, totally. To get what he wanted, because if you're in prison, you can get, you know, and, and you give sex girl favors you can self-medicate as well oh yeah and it's also you know feeds in 
to it being self-destructive. Right. And even if he wasn't gay and even if he wasn't transgender, but the fact that he gave himself up like that, A, it was like he wanted those drugs to fucking drown himself, you know? To he seemed him. to enjoy the whole oh, thing. He seemed to enjoy more than just the drugs. He yeah, enjoyed everything. He enjoyed the sex, too. And yeah, because he got up and did Which this is, little strip show. Because there's nothing wrong with it, by the way. Uh, for our no. listeners, like, look, if you're a dude and you want to bone other dudes or vice versa or get boned, that's your business, man. There's no shame in that just game. Just don't do it on Scott's couch. Don't do it on my fucking Unless couch. Unless it's a Wednesday, uh, Thursday night when he's not home. It's all good. No, not even that. I don't want fucking cum stains on my couch, sick fuckers. Maybe I should wash your cushions then. Sorry. I hate you so much. I'm so fucking grossed don't, out. Don't you say sorry because I just said sorry. And that made it sound like you and I were. T- oh, God damn. You and the intern? No. Dude, that is just. This is an exclusive no, on Brutal Nation. Your no, son is disgusting. You might as well stop there. You I'm just saying that's screwed. disgusting because he's so fucking young. All of, yeah, that's what I'm saying. All of us need to have a fucking staff meeting about this bullshit. I hate you, intern. You just made it seem so much grosser than I wanted. I'm going to wrap this one up because now I need drugs. <laughs> me, I, me too. I might me need, too. I might need to go have gay sex to get drugs. That's how Dude, much I drugs. need. I need some heroin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Click on that Amazon link. Helps out the show. Doesn't cost you a damn thing extra. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs from, just type in at BrutalNation. This show's copyrighted 2022. By Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will talk to you guys later. Bye bye. Bye, everybody. And don't respect me. Bye.